Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace wow. on a jump ball. This team's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim. Countdown, baby, and a foul. Reggie inside for Andre, oh. and a dynamite dunk. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Mike Angolano, and joining me as always is Aaron Johnson. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Mike. You know, as we talked about before the show, not as much going on with the Pistons in terms of things to talk about compared to about the last month or so, uh, but we still got some interesting topics to talk about, some stuff that maybe goes into regards of next year with this team. So, uh, in their future. So I'm excited to get into that and, and start looking ahead after, you know, a quieter, you know, not as flashy or newsy week for Detroit. Yeah, we are just pushing the inevitable draft podcast farther and farther into the future, but eventually it's going to catch up with us. Eventually we're going to have to start to talk about it. Maybe that starts next week. Who knows? But you know when It doesn't start. It doesn't start this week unless we just happen to, you know, talk about some prospects. Um, a couple of podcasts I've been listening to are starting to gear me up to really dive into some rookies, particularly the Ignite um, guys, Jalen Green, um, Jonathan Kuminga, guys like that. Um, but for this week, we have a, a, a slew of topics to get to. Some of them are, you know, I think are going to have some good conversation. Are the Pistons too competitive? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. Uh, Corey Joseph's absurd start. And then uh, can the Pistons make a playoff run next year? Uh, I don't think I would bet on it. But if I were to bet, I would use Bet Online. And Bet Online has the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. It's got you covered for all news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. And it is free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, that's betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, head to the website, betonline.ag, you can also use your mobile device to sign up and receive 50% welcome bonus for that first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That was smooth. That was a smooth transition, Mike. You get... You get a lot of props for that because I thought on you on the fly. I thought you were like <laughs> talking about, you know, I thought we were like maybe just gonna like do that topic first. And I was like, okay, I'm you know, hey, I'm ready for it. Let's go in, guns blazing. And then all of a sudden you just you get into bed online and you know, they got a lot of good stuff going on there. So we're uh, happy to have them sponsoring us for today's show. So yeah, definitely check them out. At bed yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We were talking about this before the pod of sports betting being legalized in some states and not being legalized in others. And Michigan does have it legalized and unfortunately Ohio does not. Um, it's, it's bound so to hopefully, uh, hopefully we can work on that. Oh, it's bound to happen for sure. No question about that. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. It's just but a matter I, of when I'm ready to get into it. You know, I don't know where you want to start kind of let into that playoff. Talk. I'm ready to talk about whatever <laughs> we got. We got three good topics to discuss. So, Hey, I'll let you pick, you know, just put your hand in the hat and pull one out. Sure. Um, you know, why don't we start with what was supposed to be our second topic and let's talk about Corey Joseph. Cause I think the competitiveness and the playoff spot next year kind of roll into each other. Okay. So let's talk about Corey Joseph. You know, I really liked your tagline for this topic, which is uh, who the hell is Corey Joseph? He's averaging 11.7 points over six dimes in 25 minutes per game. He has taken a lot of minutes as a starting point guard. And I know in our palace of Pistons chat, we talked about how, we would feel if Kojo would be taking some minutes from guys like Saban Lee, Dennis Smith Jr. Taking minutes from Killian Hayes is fine because he's doing some injury management. Um, he's playing, you know, well. He's, you know, he's, he, I mean, he's, he's playing fine. Um, do you have any issues with him getting so many minutes at the one? You know, I, I did not think we were going to see this much Corey Joseph when he got traded to Detroit. I figured that we were going to see Corey Joseph. I did not think it was going to be 25 minutes a game, uh, whether it's been, you know, 
by design or by a self-made uh, in such a big role where he is shooting, you know, so, so much and has such a high usage in Detroit. I mean, I was not expecting this much Corey Joseph in terms of minute, in terms of volume, in terms of usage. And the thing is, to be quite honest, the results have really not been all too bad. I mean, he is scoring, he's, you know, distributing the basketball it's not like it's, you know, making Detroit a, a playoff team or anything like that. But I was not expecting Corey Joseph to come in and have the effect that he's had. By the way, his usage percentage, no doubt a career high at 20.3%. That beats uh, his career high pr- prior to this of 184 So about a 2% jump. Um, but this guy's just doing it all. I mean, driving to the basket, pull up jumper, shooting like he's doing things like I don't remember Corey Joseph being able to do. Like when I remember Corey Joseph, I think of the San Antonio Spurs, I think of the Indiana Pacers backup point guard that was always this defensive pass, came in, gave you some really good spot minutes, maybe knocked down a three-pointer. But this is just like a completely different player. He's had a couple scoring outbursts. You know, he had, I believe, like 24 points and seven assists. I'm pulling it up right now, but he's had a couple really big games since coming to Detroit. I mean, yeah, he had 24 points and seven assists against Sacramento in a Corey Joseph revenge game, by the way. And then again, the Clippers uh, in, in the first game of their those two of Detroit and Los Angeles' meeting, he had 18 points and 13 assists. Like, who the hell is this player? I don't remember Corey Joseph ever being able to do any of this stuff at this volume. And he is just coming to Detroit and like completely just like taking over and said, look, I am Corey freaking Joseph. Like I am taking over. It, 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 I never would have like bet on my life to see anything like this. I was thinking he's going to play eh, 15 minutes a game. Maybe there's a couple games where he doesn't get in, but this guy is like the featured starting point guard, taking the ball, doing, you know, everything, especially with Jeremy Grant out too over the past three games, which is where we've seen probably his two biggest performances of his time in Detroit. But it's just been utterly insane. I I just would have never expected it. You know, I'm glad you brought up usage, which I'm seeing some different usage numbers. So cleaning the glass has his usage at 23.6% with the Pistons, 15.1% with Sacramento this year. I mean, that's an 8% increase. So your point still stands. It is an increase. So his usage percentage is in the 73rd percentile for point guards. But but his assist percentage, you know, he, it was 6.1 dimes for 25, you know, in 25 minutes per game. His uh, assist percentage, which is the percentage of his teammates made shots, did he actually assist on? His assist percentage was 14.6%. In Sacramento, that's 31st, the 31st percentile for point guards, according to Cleaning the Glass. His assist percentage is 34.9%. That's in the 96th percentile for point guards, which is kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Yes, we're, we're going to go with kind of crazy. That's a huge, huge, huge jump. And Sadiq Bay, like going supernova, probably helps that a lot. He has played in 11 games already for the Pistons too, which I was kind of surprised about as well. He is seeing just an overall huge uptick across the board in a lot of those advanced metrics. His assist percentage was up. You know, his points per shot attempt are way up. Um, He is uh, basically doing what DeLon Wright did, and he's doing it, you know, more efficiently, uh, which is really nice to see for the Pistons. he's, He's a veteran point guard. It's just very surprising. All of a sudden, he flips the script. He leaves Sacramento, which may be, maybe that's what he needed, and uh, starts to play a lot better. So do you mind him taking minutes from guys like Saban Lee, from guys like Dennis Smith Jr., two, two players that you want to figure out if they're going to be here long term? We know that Killing Hayes is, regardless. Um, do you have any issues with him taking so many minutes? You know, I think this kind of goes back to what I was talking about with my expectation with him coming into his 
you know, acquisition to Detroit. I was expecting 15 minutes per game, a game here or there where maybe he doesn't play because they ride the hot hand at the point guard spot of Killian or a DSJ or Saban, and they already are playing Wayne Ellington. And now it's also that Wayne Ellington's been out for some time and missed a few games. Uh, so that's given Corey Joseph, I think, some more opportunity as well. They're not playing Killian as much. They're not playing him on back-to-backs. He's playing about 20 minutes a game. Um, I, I think this is too much Corey Joseph. As good as he's been, I think it's too much Corey Joseph. Uh, the fact that Saban Lee's picking up, you know, DNP's coaches' decisions, and I know DSJ's kind of had some injury issues uh, over those last, you know, part of the season, and he's kind of been in and out of the lineup. But when he's healthy, I'd like to see him in. I'm not saying that Corey Joseph can't play. Obviously, he's playing pretty well, so he probably deserves to be out on the court. But I think I'd rather see 10 minutes of Saban Lee than 25 minutes of Corey Joseph. If Saban Lee can get 10 to 12 minutes of Corey Joseph's and, you know, maybe two minutes of, you know, whoever, you know, another guard on the roster, get him some playing time, I think that's worth exploring, especially as you get – you know, to those, these last games of the year, um, you have three point guards that have a shot to be a part of your team moving forward. Killian Hayes, Saban Lee, and Dennis Smith Jr. Those are the guys that should be getting as many of the minutes as possible. But they're all, I also like the idea of Corey Joseph playing with Killian Hayes. I think having that extra ball handler and a, a veteran guard out there is helpful for Killian. What I will say to that is, Killian needs to be playing on the ball more rather than playing off the ball. That is a problem I do have with Corey Joseph is he is the primary ball handler when he's out on the court, even if Killian Hayes is out there. And that is a problem because Killian Hayes needs to be on the ball. He is a point guard. He is the point guard. He should not be playing off the ball for Corey Joseph. So that is something that needs to change. But all in all, I think we're seeing too much. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be in the rotation. Obviously, he's earned it. Obviously, he's providing some benefit. Uh, it's just I was nowhere near expecting 25 minutes a game and 24 and 8 and 18 and 13 performances from him uh, coming to the Pistons at you know the age of 30 or whatever he is. Yeah, and he he's he's just playing so well that it you know they're. They're not going to be able to not have him soaking up those minutes, especially with Killian being managed in such a way. I assumed that with Hayes coming back and with Saban Lee playing well around that deadline time, I assumed that Kojo was going to take more of a, and no disrespect to Kojo, or really no disrespect to Delhi, he's going to have more of a Matthew Delavadova role because it's similar to the Cavs having two very young point guards or at least guards who are asked to orchestrate offense. One of them subs out, one of them subs in um, to just kind of take over some of the ball handling duties. Um, and Delhi has done that. He's played, let's see, six games. He's got assist numbers of five, 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 seven, zero against Toronto, which that's when Gary Trent went completely nuclear and then 10 assists against the Pelicans. You know, he just, he's not going to shoot well. He's not going to do a whole lot of, you know, taking over the offense. He's just going to get some assists. He's going to set other guys up, do it well, spell the young guys for a little bit. Um, that has not happened. Corey Joseph's ha- has been a mid-range maestro. Um, he he is taking minutes from Saban Lee. He is taking minutes from DSJ. But the way that I see it is that until he cools down, I don't know if that's going to necessarily change. I guess I don't have a problem necessarily with it because it's still helpful for those guys to be around, you know, be around him and be on the floor alongside him. But I do agree on Killian. He, he needs to be on the ball more. And maybe that's just a matter of easing him back into, you know, into competitive action. But do you think that, because I, I believe I'll have to check the contract. Is this Corey Joseph's last season of his contract? Uh, I'm going to have to check that. I know that he signed a hefty contract when he signed with the Kings and that's why they, you know, moved on from him. Um, it, he's averaging 12.6 million a year. He's on the books 
for this year, and I believe this is what it is. I believe he's on the books for this year, and then next year there's it's a team option. Uh, that yeah, it's two point four million guaranteed. The Pistons have until June. Oh, that's right. Leave him, and that was why Detroit, you know, really wants right. trade was because yes, yeah. they had a second round pick back, but they also freed up some cap space for next year because let's face it, even if Corey Joseph continues on this level of play, the Pistons are not going to guarantee his contract for next season. They're no. going take the 2.4 cap hit and waive him and open up cap space and open up a roster spot. Um, so that, you know, it's not like he's, you know, this isn't going to be a long-term thing to where this is, Oh, why is, you know, is this Corey Joseph, you know, being, you know, this big of a role for next season as well or anything like that. Hopefully this ends sooner rather than later. Yeah, for the Pistons' sake <laughs> um, and the front office's sake. Yeah, but I, I do think that's going to happen. You know, it, it just can't be kept up. It just can't be. It's, it's just not possible, you know. There's going to be a point, and we talked about this in the first pot of the year, when is Dwayne Casey just kind of kind of wave the proverbial white flag and let the young guys play? Is he ever going to get to that point? Because ideally you do want to see if Killian Hayes is going to sit out. Let's go with that first scenario. If he's going to sit out, if the Pistons decide, yeah, you know, we've seen enough, let's just shut him down for the final whatever number of games. You want to see Saban Lee out there. You want to see Dennis Smith out there for the majority of that time. Corey Joseph should not be taking away significant minutes from either of those guys if if they're going to wave the white flag and let Hayes sit out the rest of the season. If Killian Hayes is good enough to play and is healthy enough to play and they're just going to let him loose for the final 10 games, which is kind of scenario two to me, once again, Corey Joseph should not be out there taking minutes. I don't care how, how well he's playing. And then he does go into that Matthew Dovadova role with two young point guards where if the two young guys are just, just hitting that brick wall, or rather three young guys are hitting that brick wall, then yes, go ahead and sub them in. Exactly. But you need to see what you're going to have out of these three players. Exactly. Because that's, oh, oh, I don't know. That's sort of important, especially with – a top five pick coming a top three pick coming because you're going to probably have another combo guard or a, a wing who can play some two. So you're going to have to figure out what you currently have so that you can prepare for the draft adequately. Well, maybe that's a better for a draft discussion later. You know, do you take for fit or do you take for need? Right. And, and, and I think, I think that's just the main point is as well as Corey Joseph is playing, it's more important for the Pistons to figure out from the guys who might have a future on this roster and can be a part of their core moving forward, what type of abilities they have. And that's Killian Hayes, Saban Lee and Dennis Smith Jr. So when those guys are all healthy, there really isn't a reason for Kojo to be in the rotation. It's unfortunate for him. He's played well, but when you're a rebuilding team, look at the Oklahoma city thunder, right? Al Horford out of the That's road. exactly what I was thinking. They're arresting Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yes, he's hurt, but they're, you know, essentially keeping him out because. Well, it doesn't matter because Lou Dort just scored 42 yesterday. So what does it even matter? And, and that's the thing. You got to have minutes for, for Hamadou Diallo to go score 42 and, and, and you know, kind of replicate that uh, right. trend. Um, but, you know, teams around the league that are going young and are rebuilding, they just don't block minutes away from the young guys to play a 30-year-old point guard on the last year of his deal with your team. And, and that's just really the bottom line. That Lou Dort thing is mind-boggling. Because you bring up the Thunder, they're a good example sitting out Horford. They don't have to play Shea because – they own like 40 picks or something outrageous. So they really, it, it doesn't really matter what they do. Um, but the Lou Dort thing, I mean, I saw a little bit of that jazz thunder game and he finished with 42 points. Here's, here's a little impromptu exercise. Let's insert Lou Dort's into this upcoming free agency crop. <laughs> where, where does he rank in terms of most sought after free agents? Gosh. 
that's a really good point because uh, this free agency crop ain't all too special. And you got a chance to get a young guy that obviously has really made strides. I mean, he came into the league first off undrafted and then he comes in and comes in as a defender, makes his, you know, mark in the league, playing some really good defense against some key players, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell. But now all of a sudden, after a year, he's showing that he can score the ball and he can shoot it, which is something he could not do in his rookie year. Uh, but he's putting the ball on the floor. He's bulldozing himself the basket. He's making outside shots while still defending at an incredibly high level. Donovan Mitchell has been on a tear all year. In my opinion, he's been an MVP candidate. You look at Utah's record. Oh. You look at Donovan Mitchell's play. He has been an MVP candidate. I don't care how hot of a take that is. I'll say it. And Lou Dort held him to, I think it was 22 points yesterday. For a guy that just exploded for and has been going off, especially over the last few weeks, that's pretty freaking good while scoring 42 points. Donovan Mitchell, prior to that, had 41, 37, 42, and 42. And Dort held him to 22 points. That's pretty good defense while you were the one scoring 42. I mean, this is a guy that I think certainly is commanding double-digit figures. Would I mean, hey, if, if, if he was available, I'd be saying the Pistons should go for him. I mean, this is a young guy. Oh, no question. All of the tools to really make a mark in this league. He had a usage rate last night of 39.8. <laughs> while guarding Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> that is absurd. That game, I mean, he had 42, six and three on seven of 11 from deep and 16 of 31 shooting. That is nuclear. And they lost. Perfect. That's exactly what you want. You know what you are getting in lieu. He gets to progress and you keep the tank swiftly moving along. That's like as good as it gets. Yeah. They're doing it perfect over there because they're just, they're not even touching their, their veterans. Like they've either traded them, waived them or sent them home. And they're just going. And, and then like, even like they're good young players, like Shea Gilgis, Alexander, like he's just, he's out. Like, yes, he got hurt, but he's also just like, he's going to be out. He's probably not coming back this year. And, and yeah. that, they're just throwing Pokushevsky, Teo Maladon, Lou Dort. Now that he's back, Darius Baisley just returned for them. You know, Moses Brown, like they're just throwing all of those young guys out there and they're saying, hey, go play basketball and see which guys develop, see which guys, you know, show potential. And the thing for them is a lot of those guys are doing. I mean, those five guys that I've listed all have, I believe, a future in this league. Uh, Pokushevsky's had some really big games as of late. Teo Maladon started off the year really slow, kind of under that same uh, – same situation of Killian Hayes where he didn't look confident, wasn't being aggressive, scoring the basketball. He's exploded a couple times for 30-point, 25-point games. All of those guys, now that they've gotten all those minutes, are starting to show that progression, show that confidence. And that's kind of what we need to see from the Pistons here. And it's funny because obviously Troy Weaver comes from the Thunder, but those two franchises are really in that same type of step. And, you know, Detroit – kind of needs to follow in suit of how the Thunder are, are, are doing what they're doing. It'd be hard to follow all with all the draft picks they have, but yeah, I, you know, you're hitting on the veteran stuff. That's how they should be approaching the veterans too. Um, definitely. Definitely. Um, let's move into what was supposed to be our first topic and are the Pistons too competitive? Are they too competitive? They have the third worst record in the league, but you know, we talked about after the deadline, the magic are in a free fall. The Cavaliers are I, – I like how you had to throw in the Cavs there. They were about to be on a three-game a three game win streak until Gary Trent Jr. decided to nuke them. Um, they are, you know, obviously going to continue to fall. I think they have the fifth-worst record in the league. Detroit's four and six in, in the last ten games. Is them being too competitive going to cost them a top pick? Uh, it's starting to look that way, isn't it? I mean, Detroit is four and six in their last 10 games. They find themselves going, you know, right down to the, to the final buzzer. And a lot of these games that they're playing, 
They got the Clippers uh, with no Kawhi and no Paul George on the night that we're recording. So we'll see what happens in that game. But that makes it a very winnable game for Detroit. And yeah, I mean, Cleveland and, and Orlando are right there with Detroit. Houston and Minnesota, one and two right now. Detroit is very much on the verge of playing themselves out of a top spot. And that's a problem because they really, really need to get a, a prospect that can be the guy for this rebuild. I mean, I don't know that they have that on their team right now. Obviously, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, like they all have their potential roles with the Pistons and, you know, can be a part of that future. But I don't know if you look at any of those guys and say, look, can Sadiq Bey be the guy? You know, are, are you going to take Sadiq Bey over a guy like Kate Cunningham? And, you know, I think a chance to get Kate Huntingham is more important than winning some of these games down the stretch. And, and yes, there is the whole factor of, well, you know, yeah, Detroit could get the top three odds, but it doesn't mean that they're guaranteed to get it. And, and, and does draft, you know, history, you know, favor the Pistons in terms of getting a higher draft pick? Well, no, it doesn't, but you have to play the percentages. You just have to, and you have to be in the top three to give yourself the greatest shot at a number one pick the greatest shot at Cade, Huntingham, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, you know, whichever of those guys figure themselves, you know, put themselves in the top three, which by the way, I'm going to make my, my, my hot take right now. I think Jalen Green is a late riser and ends up in the top three of this draft. Uh, I think if someone drops out of the top three, it's going to be Evan Mobley. I think Cade Cunningham is locked. And then I think Jalen Green's going to either replace Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley in the top three. So that's my hot take, just real quick. Um, but having that Cleveland. at one of those top prospects is so much more important than winning, you know, a few more games, ending up with the sixth or seventh best odds, and ending up with the, you know, typical Detroit seventh or eighth pick in the draft. That would really just be disastrous for them at this point with where they are in their rebuild needing to find a top guy to you know put into your your uh, developing franchise developing rebuild they can't afford to give up this type of opportunity that they have i posed a question on twitter for for the Cavs in that would you rather would you you being Cavs fans would you rather see cleveland make the play in or tank for better lottery odds and it was resoundingly tank for better lottery odds but I also think that a lot of Cavs fans who follow me probably are in the same mindset of myself and that they see the they see the greater value in a draft pick over winning and I wonder how Pistons fans would feel I mean obviously the playing tournament's out of reach that's not going to happen but you know where you know would they rather the team win some games and have the young guys be experienced or be exposed rather to winning or continue to just tank and Obviously, you want to get the pick. You want to you want to tank for the pick. And Rod Beard did a tankathon, and the Pistons got the number one pick. But hidden in that little nugget of that screenshot was that the Pelicans moved up nine spots, and that's just the unpredictability of the lottery. In that, even if the Pistons play well, you know they play sub five hundred ball the rest of the way, but they like linger around and and, and they win some games they shouldn't. It's going to hurt their, you know, it's going to hurt their lottery odds a little bit, but it's not going to, it's not going to ruin everything. What would really be disastrous is if they do have top three odds and they still get the seventh pick. That's, that's when we're talking about, we have to disband the podcast or something like that, because it'll just be too much, you know, to work, work with. But I personally think that the Pistons will just fall back to what they were which is going to be playing hard and losing games as opposed to being four and six in the last 10. Um, it is nice to see some competitive games. It's nice to see guys like Sadiq Bey play in, you know, some higher pressure situations. It's be nice to see him be the guy tonight against a depleted Clippers team, but still you want to see him put into those positions and whatnot. Um, so I don't think the Pistons are too competitive right now. You know, if they continue to string together some wins, then, yeah, you know, we're looking at something interesting. But the, the, the change lottery odds do really change everything. And 
I don't think it's going to deter them too, too much uh, moving forward for that pick, but they really do need a top. You really need a top four pick. I think, I mean, if you're, if you're the fourth pick and you're staring at Evan Mobley, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't necessarily, that would not be my choice per se, but you know, basically long story short, the lottery odds really do change this a whole lot and them being competitive sort of, um, I don't think it's going to be as negative as I think people think it's going to be. Here's the last thing I'll say on this before we move on to our final topic. And this was what we, you know, I think everyone kind of agreed on going into the season. If the Pistons were going to win by their young guys playing well, getting the job done, you have, you have to be happy with that because that's a sign of development. That's a sign of growth. Oh, definitely. Progress. You know, when Sadiq Bey is scoring 25 and grabbing 10 rebounds and leading, you know, leading in all those categories and making the big shots, like, that is fine. When you have Corey Joseph going for 24 and 7 and 18 and 13 and you're not seeing Killian or Saban Lee on the floor and, you know, Mason. Not as fun. Back and, you know, things like that, that makes it a little bit harder to appreciate the wins because, the wins you live with are the ones where the young guys are getting you those wins. When it's the veterans that aren't a part of this core, they're not going to be here in five years and are potentially making it harder for the Pistons to land a top draft pick. That's where it gets a little gory and, you know, just not okay in the grand scheme of things. And But if it's the young guys going out and having those big games and leading the Pistons, you have to tip your cap and, and be It's happy. an easier pill to swallow, right? Yeah, and, and it's also good because it's teaching them how to win, and it's it's Dwayne Casey who looks to be the guy that's going to be coaching this team for the foreseeable future. It's giving him that confidence in his young guys and not taking them out and not playing, you know, a Wayne Ellington over Sadiq or, or something like that. So, you know – it's a happy medium balance type of thing. Um, it just, it's easier to, like you said, it's an easier pill to swallow when the young guys are the ones getting you that victory, not, you know, Corey Joseph and Wayne Ellington and Mason Plumley. Definitely. And that is a nice little segue into our last topic, which is about the Pistons competing for a playoff spot. So let's assume that, you know, they end up with a top five pick or a high lottery pick. They're going to have a little bit of cap space. Um, you see all the growth that this team has made throughout the, the year. Sadiq Bey playing well, Saban Lee playing well, Dennis Smith Jr. showing some stuff, Hamdu Diallo, um, you know, growing a more of a role. Jeremy Grant being uh, apparently a much improved player to what he showed in Denver in a more expansive role. Isaiah Stewart has been very good. Lots of guys have been very good. Um, is it reasonable to expect, well, this is a loaded question. Is it reasonable to expect the Pistons to compete for a playoff spot next season? I won't even get to the goal one yet, but should we expect the Pistons to compete for a playoff spot next year? I think the Pistons are going to be pretty decent next season. I think if this year has shown us anything is that this rookie group mixed with guys like Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley, like they are, I'm not sure if the right terminology is ahead of schedule, but maybe just they blend is, yes. well together. And you give them a full off season for guys like Killian Hayes, who's obviously, you know, missed so much of his rookie season, but even Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart, who have had such promising rookie seasons coming in quickly off of an NBA draft, no summer league, you know, obviously a, a quick preseason, you give them a full months you know worth of an off season a summer league i mean hell uh, someone tweeted it out uh, a couple weeks ago but this pistons team might have the best summer league roster in the world if they send everyone that's going to be eligible um but they're going to get that full off season and then you obviously you're going to add a top draft pick you're going to have cap space you're going to bring back jeremy grant you're likely bringing back mason plumley wayne ellington's under contract i don't know if he's still a piston uh, but he could be. I think this team can compete, especially if they're doing the plan still. I'm not sure if we know 
if that's uh, happening yet. I don't know if the NBA has announced that yet. But... That was that was sort of my question too, is if they're doing the play in next year. Maybe it'll depend on how it goes this year, but I I can't see them moving away from it. To be quite honest, it it sort of is exactly what they want. It's basically another playoff game, and it's a high yeah. octane playoff game. So I I don't see that. Let's just, let's work under the assumption that it's going to be there next year. Yeah, if it's there next year, I think the Pistons. I'll put it this way. I think the Pistons will compete for a play-in spot. If it's just eight teams, I don't think they're going to uh, – I think they qualify it a little bit. Or I don't think they're going to get in, right? Um, if there's a play-in, though, I think Detroit's going to be right on the cusp because look at how they've already competed this year. You, know, you give these guys an offseason to develop, build chemistry. You add another top draft pick. You make a move or two. I'm not sure how many moves Detroit can really make. I mean, Troy Weaver's already done so much with this. Don't doubt him. I, I, I know, and that's the thing. It, I don't want to assume he can't make more moves. But the thing is, he's already made so many moves, and he's already brought in so many of these guys that are tabbed as Troy Weaver guys that he really can't afford to, you know, get – or he can't afford to, but it would be odd if he were to get rid of someone like you know, for example, Hamadou Diallo really quickly or, you know, Jeremy Grant really quickly, right? I mean, maybe guys like Wayne Ellington, uh, maybe even Mason Plumley aren't on this team next year, but even a guy like Mason Plumley, I'm fully expecting as of now to be a Piston. Um, but even so, they add a top draft pick. Let's say it's, you know, Jalen Suggs, for example, like that's a guy that's going to come in and he's going to play right away. And a guy like Evan Mobley is going to come in and he's going to play right away. So uh, I think this team is going to, going to be competitive next year. I don't know if they're good enough to get in. I think they'll compete for at least a, a play-in spot if that's a thing. If it's the top eight teams, I don't, I don't know if they'll be there. It's going to depend on that draft pick. It's going to depend on the draft pick. Not that I think rookies – normally make such enormous contributions right away. There's only a handful of guys who've made immediate contributions, you know, Zion and Luca and, um, you know, a few others, obviously, but it's going to depend on that draft pick. You get Kate Cunningham. I think that is an immediate impact type of player that will immediately pay dividends and push, push the Pistons up a rung. If you get a guy like Jalen Suggs, I think that he does that to a certain extent, but maybe not, maybe not nearly as much as Kate Cunningham. Jalen Green's the same way. Evan Mobley the same way. Those four guys, I think, are players that you plug in, you are pushed up a certain rung. I think the Mason Plumlee thing is interesting. What if, let's just say, the Pistons end up with the fourth pick, and it's Evan Mobley. Now what do you do with Mason Plumlee? You keep him? Uh, let's see. You have Isaiah Stewart, you have Mason Plumley, you have Evan Mobley. I mean, you're rolling with Jeremy Grant, Seiko at the four spot. Tyler Cook's yeah. on the track. for. Oh, my goodness. That's the guy that Troy Weaver is going to get rid of. I'll take that one to the bank. Um, if you draft Evan Mobley, I think it gets a little bit trickier, but then I. At the same time, do you want your center rotation to be a second-year guy and then a rookie? No, you probably don't. Probably don't. And that's where I – I mean, unless you trade Mason Plumley and, and you keep Jaleel Local for uh, and say your prayers at night, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. But it, I don't know. I, I, feel like, I feel like he's going to be on the team, even if they did draft Evan Mobley. And, and, you know, they've talked about playing Isaiah Stewart at the four spot or even Mobley could play the four spot. So – you know, you can get away with, with putting Plumlee on the floor yeah. with them or playing Plumlee and, and Stewart together, for example. So there are some different combinations that, that they'll try and, and, and work with. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, veterans are good to have on the team, especially for rebuilding teams. Um, it's going to depend on that draft pick. I mean, I, they're headed in the right direction. They are ahead of schedule. That is, that is the right term, and I think that's the correct term. I mean, we didn't expect all these guys to be playing as well as they are. We, I mean, maybe I thought one of them could, but they all have. And actually, the only one that hasn't is the seventh overall pick because he has been injured. So it's going to depend on that 
on that on that draft pick. I mean, ultimately, that's what's going to hit yeah. Sean. I think that, uh, and, and you know, exactly. and assuming that these guys are playing as well as they have. I mean, if Jeremy Grant falls off a cliff next year or regresses back to the mean, which is very, you know, it's totally possible. Um, then, you know, then that'll alter some things too. But, you know, if, if you get the fifth, sixth, seventh pick, eighth pick, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then looking at the rest of the Eastern conference, you know, what teams are going to be definitely be back at the bottom. I mean, Orlando's definitely going to be back at the bottom. No doubt about that. They already are, but they're not going to be a team that's going to be competing. But you got all the teams that are currently in the top eight. Plus, you know, the Hornets are going to be better once they have um, LaMelo back. You would hope that the Cavs are going to be better. You'd hope that the Bulls are going to be better with a full season of Vooch and whatever they get for Laurie Markkinen. So I think there's going to be a lot of competition. Um, The top end is not going to be as strong as the top end out West for sure. But I think you're going to have a scrum from like five to 11, maybe, you know, just as you be a lot of teams that, that are going to be looking to do exactly what the Pistons are. Right. Yeah. There's going to be teams that are just as bad and are worse. And, you know, it's only going to make it tougher, even if Detroit is bad next year to get another quality player, top of the line player. So I think, that's kind of also going back to, you know, that the topic of are the Pistons playing themselves out of a top draft pick. I think that's also kind of what makes this season a little bit more important is because next year you might be more competitive and there's likely going to be teams worse than you this year that weren't worse than you are worse than you next year that weren't worse than you this year. And that's why it's really important that they get a guy this year in this draft at, at the top three, top four spots. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just looking at the standings now. I mean, do we think that Toronto is going to be as bad as they are now? I don't know. I mean, the Wizards still have Bradley Beal and they still have Russell Westbrook and some stuff. They'll get Thomas Bryant back and they'll, you know, they'll probably get a nice pick again. But you know, the Magic, the Cavs, the Bulls, we didn't even talk about the Knicks. The Knicks are probably going to be better too. I mean, they're going to have some cap space and some, a little bit of momentum. So I, I think it's, there's a lot more optimism here. Now that I look at it, a lot more optimism here for the Eastern conference, you know, after the Bucks, Nets and Sixers, like four to 13 is just going to be a glut. I mean, even right now, um, you know, the Pacers are hanging around and the Pacers are a pretty good team and they're going to get a full year of Karis LeVert and they still have Demata Sabonis and, Malcolm Brogdon so you know there that's gonna be interesting I I don't think the Pistons have any reason to compete for a playoff spot next year how about that I don't think they have any reason to absolutely it's gonna be it's gonna be a growth year right um is Troy Weaver gonna be prioritizing another high-end draft pick I think he should be yeah I think he absolutely should be that 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 should be the goal I mean you should be especially if you don't land the top pick, especially if you don't get Cade Cunningham this year, the next oh, year. For sure. You know, you need to get a top pick, right? It kind of goes back to the whole thing about Detroit doesn't have the guy to build around on the roster right now. They have a lot of, I think, really good complementary pieces, right? Guys that, I mean, even a guy like Sadiq Bay maybe can be an all-star, right? But you obviously need a top five, top 10 player to be a contender in the NBA at this point in time. You probably need multiple. Let's just be honest. And and I don't think the Pistons have a guy on the roster that can be one right now. So you really need at least one. Do the Jazz have one? You want me to continue to talk about how good Donovan Mitchell is? (laughs) I mean, is he, is he, is he, is he top 10? He's, He's on the, I think he's been a top 10 player this year. I would agree with that. I mean, the Jazz are 41 and 14. Donovan Mitchell has an incredible. He's been awesome. After an incredible. I mean, he's been phenomenal. There's just no other way around it. It's funny because I was actually talking to a couple of my buddies the other day and I went and uh, Donovan Mitchell came up and I went and I went back on Palace of the Pistons and I found my uh, draft profile on Donovan Mitchell. And the last sentence of that draft profile 
is I'm paraphrasing it, but the Pistons would be wise to snap up Donovan Mitchell if he's on the board when they draft 12 on draft night. And obviously that is one of the more famed misses for Detroit, but this is a guy that not is so wise, huh? Yeah. Not so wise, Stan Van Gundy and Jeff Bauer, but you know, three years in, four years in, this is an MVP candidate player. He's probably not the MVP this year, you know, but I think he's a candidate. The Jazz are 41 and 14. He is their best player. He has a good piece in Rudy Gobert next to him, another all-star player. But Donovan Mitchell is the dynamic guy that can go off for 50 on any given night. And he's just made such strides each and every year he's been in the league. Um, He is really an MVP candidate, in my opinion. You'll have no arguments from me. Um, A a top 10 player this year, I don't think he is a top 10 player overall. But he has has been great this year. That is good. But it's to your point of you need you need a top end guy. And I think I think you might be able to get that sort of guy if you have a top four pick this year. And I really like Jalen Green. A lot of people like him. A lot of people I, are really high. I, I really do. And he reminds me, ironically enough, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Porter Jr. He's got a similar, just a similar style seeing him take take jumpers the way that he's able to you know slither around he's got an okay handle um he can finish really acrobatically he's pretty he's pretty athletic i really like him i i really do i i like jalen suggs too um and obviously Cade's the number one pick and would unlock a lot of different stuff for the pistons i'd have to watch more evan mobley but i do know he's got very good awareness, defense awareness, which will be, which, you know, that's very, very, very helpful for a young guy to have any sort of defensive prowess. It's why Isaac Okoro's, you know, continuing to get some high remarks because of that defensive tenacity. So you want a guy who's a strong defensive player. It's going to depend on the draft pick. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to this lottery. I'm really looking forward to this draft. And it's going to dictate a lot of things for the Pistons moving into next year. But I, I don't think they need to necessarily aim for the playoffs. Hey, if it comes to, you know, middle of the season and they're a game out and they're playing great. Sure. Why not go, go right ahead, go right ahead, Troy Weaver. Cause that means other teams are going to be starting their downward spiral. You know, they're, they're going to be on their way out. Like a team like Toronto, you know, they could easily be just as bad next year as they are this year stuff doesn't fall into place you know that's a team that could you know take a step back indiana could take a step back too you know there was talk of um you know where where do they go from here what what happens to Sabonis? what happens to malcolm brogdon so teams could slide and start to have their rebuilding period coming coming quickly too and you know the pistons could you know slide right into that spot too yeah it's definitely possible and Last thing I'll say on this, because I, I, I get we're wrapping up. I, I said Jalen Green is going to find himself into the top three. I'm going to double down on that, go a little bit further, and I think Jalen Green is going to find himself in the top two. I think it's all said and done. He will be the second pick in the draft. I think he's going to surpass Mobley. I think he's going to be right there with Suggs. I think he's eventually going to surpass him. I, gonna, I think people are going to talk themselves into he's a little bit younger He's not the youngest guy. Kuminga is probably the young, is the youngest out of those like probably top five, top six guys in the draft. Um, but I think they're going to talk themselves into Green having already played against some NBA competition and the G League and you know spending that year. I, I I I'll predict right now that he is the number two pick in the draft. Well, we really need the lottery to happen so that we can see yeah, if well, that uh, like comes to fruition. The lottery and then a whole other month away from the draft. But I'm already predicting guys that are going to go where. So, hey, as you can tell, I'm ready. This. I, I live for the draft. I live for summer league. Like, that is my NBA championship. Like, that is my high. Looking for the draft. Someone that watches the Detroit Pistons doesn't know what it's like to play a playoff basketball in the last decade. Doesn't know what it's like to win playoff basketball in the last <laughs> decade. Like 
getting a, getting to talk about and getting to research draft guys and getting to watch a good summer league team. Like that is my NBA championship experience. Living for the draft should be the Detroit Pist- or the Detroit sports fan motto. Living for the draft, whether it's Lions, Tigers, Pistons, oh my. Um, Aaron, anything else um, on any of these topics before we wrap up? No, I, I wanted to get the green thing in. I did, and now I'm satisfied. And now it is on the record. It is on the record, my friend. So we will have to uh, we'll have to get into, into draft talk. I mean. We're staring it right in the face. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we will muster up the courage soon to to you know to start that discussion. Um, okay, that is going to do it for another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'd like to thank our sponsor again, Bet Online. Again, that's BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Um, We will get into draft talk eventually, I promise. Uh, For Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the House of Pistons podcast, and we will catch you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.